0: VIP listeners, you are now on the mark, and we are coming to you from a very beautiful new studio setup. Benny, I like how you rearrange this shit. It looks phenomenal, man.
1: Got some nice decorations here.
0: Yeah, simple. We're not t- we're not talking crazy here, but we rearrange this little setup we have, and it looks beautiful.
1: Our good friend Vinny Pepper would really appreciate this setup. What do you think of the decor? You know, Mark, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the posh scene.
0: Yeah, no question And uh, all that in an effort to eventually start simulcasting this show for you guys We want to be able to do that We want to have more live clips and whatnot from the show So we're we're working our way uh, towards that We're also doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes That's why you're not necessarily getting the episode output That you would get at other parts of the year But right now we're in the midst of multiple negotiations To try to strike multiple deals that will help the show in different ways it's a very exciting time here at On The Mark. We thank you for listening in, following on Twitter, following on Instagram. We really appreciate you guys, and we love you guys.
1: Yeah, we're essentially coming at them from Air, Land, and Sea, Mark, between all these platforms, So <laughs> that's what they have to understand. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. And at the end of the day, you know, we, we don't necessarily have an army here. We got a couple guys doing more than just a couple things
1: We got a couple serious ground soldiers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The... Uh, The troops are out there, but Benny, we're really excited for this one because Tony Luke Jr., what a guy. Oh, yeah. He encompasses multiple interests that we have on the show and off the show. Food, acting, uh, talking about actors, actresses, old movies, new movies. Not to mention he's just a top-notch South Philly guy, great guy who loves the city and uh, is a a staple here.
1: The guy's a South Philly icon, Marky. I'm thrilled to have the guy on. And the fact that he's so diverse is very interesting. I didn't know he was this big of a singer.
0: Yeah, you're talking music here. You're talking acting, writing. It's it's through the roof, Benny. And Very I, talented. Very talented man, and I can't wait to pick his brain. And he's um, right now doing so, uh, music as a benefit for drug abuse, and uh, he's going to give you the name of that song later in the show. you got to go buy this song on iTunes, guys, because 100% of it goes to a great cause. Man. Oh, it's
1: a great cause, Marky.
0: <laughs> yeah, no question about it. So, Benny, why don't we hit the break, and when we get back, gang, we got the guy, Tony Luke Jr. on the mark. You better believe it, folks. We'll be right back. Cut
2: my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation, no breathing, don't-
0: Yo, Tone. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? We appreciate you taking time out of your busy uh, schedule over there to join us on the mark.
2: Well, I appreciate you asking me to come on the show.
0: Oh, no, of course, man. When we were talking earlier, you said you were doing a music video. What what do you got going on? What's this video for, Tone?
2: Uh, Well, I released a single called. It was my rendition of Make You Feel My Love from Bob Dylan. Very nice. And we uploaded it on iTunes, and all the money that's made goes towards... Brown and White, the initiative for killing the stigma of addiction. So all these families wanted to get together. So I wanted to put together a video that showed that these are real people, that they're not numbers, they're statistics. So we're shooting it this Sunday, and we we got like 150 people coming for the video. So we're going to do it, then we're probably going to release it about a week or two after that on YouTube.
0: Now, is the video going to be shot in South Philly or what? It's
2: going to be shot in South Philly, yep, right near Swanson Street.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, you got to love and respect, uh, you know, putting the effort in for such a great cause. That's a beautiful yeah. thing, Tone. Now, Thank you. Now, that Gotti movie, I really enjoyed it. What was it like being a part of that?
2: Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I know John for a very long time, so it was good to go up there and see him. Uh, It's the first time, though, with me working with Travolta, and uh, he was amazing to work with, but I didn't really get to know him when we were shooting. It wasn't until they were promoting the film that I actually got to spend some real time with him and really get to know him, and he is just an amazing human being.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he's a guy who's been around for quite some time. He's played all different types of roles. I was surprised when people knocked him for the choice of John Gotti. I almost thought it was the obvious choice if you wouldn't go back to like an Armand Desanti, but he's too old at this point because that Gotti HBO movie was fantastic years ago.
2: You know, it was a different kind of film. This was shot more like like a docudrama, and I think that that's why a lot of critics hated the film. 'Cause it kinda jumped from one thing to another. It wasn't real linear, um, like most things are but it was coming from the view of the family. So they were taking snippets of his life, like just these special moments and highlighting them. And I think that the critics just couldn't seem to follow it. And some people did, some people didn't. Um But the more the critics hated it, the more people wanted to go and see it. So I think that really helped uh, push the movie to an audience that maybe wouldn't go see it uh, only because the critics came out so vehemently against the film. So whatever, you know, and look, did it deserve a zero on Rotten Tomatoes? Absolutely not. But I think that, you know, John Gotti was a very strong presence in New York City, actually in the whole country. So there's a lot of opposing views on his life. So I think that it was very difficult for a critic to be objective watching that film because they've already come in with their own personal beliefs and either they liked the man or they didn't like the man. Mm, I think that kind of clouded because I I've, I've seen some really bad movies and they didn't receive a zero on Rotten Tomatoes and I think that was their way of protesting the, film. the critics by you know giving it a zero but that just pushed regular people to say you know there's no way this film is a zero we want to go and see I think it kind of backfired on them yeah Tone, no they question about, about discourage it discouraged people but I think, they encourage more people to go and see it by doing.
0: Rotten Tomatoes is the same outlet that last year or a year and a half ago told us that Get Out was the greatest movie ever made. Now I don't know if you saw Get Out. Uh, I
2: did. Now I liked. And it. I, I liked it. The greatest but, movie ever made. Right, but,
0: but I did like. It, so. Right, but that's you know it's they're very uh, political I think, and uh, they have a lot of biases behind some of those numbers they put out for reasons that you just uh, ran through essentially. Did you see anything that, like, uh, you know, I'm sure many things, but was there anything truly, truly memorable on set that you saw happen, maybe even if, even if it was off to the side or with you or just anything? I mean, a lot of big names on that set out in New York. I mean, that had to be a jumping scene, man. I saw them partying out in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, well, the Brooklyn party was great. I mean, that was, uh, that was kind of a tribute to John. Um, in fact, William DeMeo who plays uh Sammy the Bull in the movie, he literally put that entire thing together in Brooklyn because that's where Will Will William is from. So I you know, I give him a ton of credit for putting that together. Yeah, he's a Benson
1: you
0: know, they, guy, right?
2: Right, yeah. So they expected like a thousand people and almost seven thousand people wind up coming.
0: Sheesh, that's a great so turnout. it was a
2: huge turnout for him. Yeah, and uh and a lot of people don't know, but the more they're reading about it, like he was, you know, he wore John Gotti's, you know, one of John Gotti's suits in the film. He wore John Gotti's real jewelry. So there were a lot of personal items that Travolta wore doing the film from John, you know, got it from John Jr., from John Gotti Sr.'s son to wear in the film, which I thought was really Really authentic, you know, yes. to actually be wearing his clothes and and his jewelry.
0: Yes, no question about it. I mean, talk about really capturing the, the the true essence, the true vibe of John Gotti. That's how you do it, right there.
2: Yeah, and and you know, he worked very closely with the family, Travolta. He wanted to make sure he did say something which was really it was really impressive. We, you know, we were having dinner and. um you know he had he had reached over to me, you know, and he had said, you know, I'm I'm very sorry that you lost your son. He goes, I lost my son as well, mm. and um and and you know we were talking about the scene when in in the John Gotti movie, you know, John Gotti Sr. loses his son. Right. You know, he gets hit on a bicycle sure. and he passes away, and it was funny because John said it was very difficult for me. To do that scene, he said, because as a parent who has lost a child, I know how I reacted to the loss of my son. So as an actor, it's very difficult because I have to kind of put that aside and I have to take on the mindset of John Gotti because John Gotti isn't going to mourn his son like I did and I don't mourn my son Tony like you did everyone mourns differently so it's important that I try to figure out by talking to his family how to turn mourn and it was it was you know it was very it was a very interesting conversation because during the funeral John senior showed no emotion at the casket the whole time he, he showed no emotions, he never cried in front of the family, He never showed any emotion at all. John shows in the film, as he tells the story, he said, you know, I'm in my room one night, and I hear this noise coming from the heater dock. And I follow the noise downstairs, and there's my dad all alone, sitting in the dark on the chair, and he's wailing, crying. Uh, sure. So... He never let the family see his pain. So, so when John did the scene, he said, you know, I had to do it how I thought that John Sr. would have mourned the loss of his son, he said. And that was a very, very difficult scene, he said, for me to do because I've been there. So it's very difficult for me to separate my own feelings about that and John's feelings, and I, I thought he did um, an incredible job. And he's just a very professional actor. He's also a, an incredibly kind man. And even behind the scenes, Now, I'm not talking about in front of the camera, like behind the scenes, you know, we would be talking and then fans would be coming in. And John would be like, give me a minute, I gotta go out there and I gotta talk to these people. Like, I gotta talk, I gotta talk. Like, he's very accommodating. He can easily just say, you know what? I'm in the room. Don't let anyone come near me. Don't tell anyone I'm here. But he was not like that at all. It's like if there were fans out there, he was like, well, there's fans. I'm, I'm coming out. I'll be right there. And then he would go and he would sit and he would talk to them. He would take pictures with them. And, you know, and, and you know, had said to him, I know that's a lot, John. He's like, no, you know, I really have a tremendous respect for my fans over the years, he said, and I'm always happy to see them. It's not a chore for me. It's not a job. Like, I have to go out there. I enjoyed meeting them, you know, and I am truly appreciative that they take the time to go and see my films. Yeah. So he's really a very humble guy.
0: Yeah. I I always liked John Travolta. I mean, uh, so... When I determine if I like an actor, actress, whatever, I try to, you know, imagine what they're like in real life. And he was always a guy that I said to myself, you know, he's probably a cool dude. So it's cool to hear you confirming what I've been thinking for years.
2: Yeah, he's, he's, and so was Kelly. Kelly was, Kelly was great. And, and I don't think she got enough credit in her performance because Kelly is completely the opposite of that character. She's very soft-spoken. She's very quiet.
0: Right.
2: You know? They
0: really have to deep dive into these roles to become a totally different person for the film. Um, And she did a great job. She really did. Uh, Now, what was Kevin Connolly like as a uh, director?
2: I don't Uh, know Kevin personally, and I really, during the filming of that movie, I might have spent five minutes... You know, talking about the role with him and about setting up, setting up the shots. He was very busy getting everything together. So I never really got a chance to get to know him. And then when they, we were promoting the film, I never got to see um, Kevin. You know, it was usually yeah. John and Kelly and the producers and John Jr., sure. um, when we did all the promoting. so and I saw
0: John Jr. Uh, made an appearance at the uh, Tony Luke's out in uh, South Jersey.
2: Yeah, John's a good man. I know John for, oh, God, 10 years.
0: Right. And I know
2: John a long time.
0: And he was all about promoting this movie, and he must love you to give you that Instagram post and everything I laughed when I saw that. But I said to myself, why wasn't he at the South Philly one? Do those guys ever come downtown to your location in... Uh, in the neighborhood?
2: He was, he was at the South when We had dinner here.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I just saw what he posted on the Instagram. He was out front of the one in Jersey. Yeah, he was going was going to home. But when they
2: had the screening here, John met me at Les Two on
0: passion Avenue. Yeah, how did he so like it there? It was,
2: right, it was me, it was John Jr., it was uh, John Travolta, it was Kelly Preston, it was Ed Walson, who was one of the big producers, um it was phil Glazer. it was uh quite a few of us from the film were there having dinner and they were great at at labor too it was you know they stayed open for us and you know we didn't get out until like one o'clock in the morning the staff was so so great to stay but you know everyone was telling stories and and you know the staff had a good time and you know, we had a great time, but John was there. John Jr. was in Philly.
0: Very, very cool. Now, what did, Travol- did Travolta have anything to say about Pashonk Ave or South Philly in general? Has he been around the neighborhood before, or was this one of his first times?
2: You know, I don't know. We didn't really talk about it. You know, we, we talked about, you know, just talking about the film and uh, just, because like I said, we, we really didn't get a chance to know each other while we were filming. Sure. So you know, me and me and John were just just getting to know each other, you know, during the tour, you know, for the one in Philly and then the one in in uh, in Queens, I mean Long Island, and then the one in Manhattan. So you know, I mean, I talk about Philly all the time. I mean, because you know, to me, this is the greatest you know, city in the whole world. Right. So you know, and it's funny because. It's weird how you grow up. It's like everywhere I go, so no matter what film I do, or anytime I'm speaking outside of the city, they'll say well, you're from Philly, right? And I go, yeah, South Philly. Yeah. It's not like I just—I can't say Philly. Right, right. It right. has to be South Philly. That's yeah, we're very, from
0: South, Philly. and that's a very good thing. You got to keep that South in there for sure. Now, yeah. Tom, let me ask you a question. Uh, having such a a prominent name in, in, you know, the cheesesteak, the food world, and then you go into acting where you're really trying to carve out a name. What's that transition like?
2: Well, actually, it was the opposite.
0: Oh, okay. Enlighten me, please.
2: Well, I was, you know, I was writing and producing a lot of people in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Writing music for them and producing, and then, you know, got my first uh, spec deal with A&M Records in, like, 1986, I think it was. And then uh, um, you know, I, I was one of the original graduating classes from Kappa, Creative and Performing Arts, literally the first graduating class from that school. Right. And I did a lot of plays when I was younger and you know, acting and music is what I did. I didn't get into food until, you know, ninety two. Okay. And then I and then doing the film I had met a lot of actors that came to Tony Luke's to eat. And I kind of got bit by the bug again. then I did my first film again in 1997. And then, you know, then I did another one, you know, a year and a half after that. And then I had the TV series and, and then I started doing more and more films and, you know, then I did invincible and then we did the nail. And then I, you know, I did a a couple of these horror films and, but it was the reverse. I was an actor, a songwriter and a singer long before I did food. And then I stopped. When get the and the really took off, I started to get back into it later, and I started in ninety seven and have been working ever since doing films
0: what did and you, TV shows. Now, what did you have more fun on, Invincible or Gotti?
2: That's a good question. I, I, you know what? I, I love acting, so I, I don't really, I can't really say one was better than the other i mean god he was a serious role invincible was more comedy uh the nail was very dramatic role um i i enjoy all of them you know but i work to me it's a job that i love to do you know i learned when i was you know 15 years old and studying acting and studying music you know it's like learn your lines hit your mark you know when when i have when i'm on set i'm working so I, you know, I always have a very professional attitude. I know my lines and know where my marks are. I know who the guy, you know, I research the character and I and I go on. So, you know, it's always fun after the movie's done, but you know, it's a lot of fun working on a film because I love doing it, but it is work. You know, it's not of course. Not, you know, of course. It's cool. Yeah. So, you know, you have to kinda you know, now, if I'm doing a film for, you know, if I'm near long, like with Tenta Wolf, you know, I shot for With the know, great eight, Giovanni Rubisi. Yeah, with eight, you know, for eight weeks. And then they literally, in that movie, which was really, it was, that movie was a really good education for me because... What
0: were they filming that, out in Pittsburgh, and Canada? They shot,
2: they shot that in Pittsburgh, yeah. And, you know, I had like over six weeks of shooting. And then when the movie came out, They literally cut every single scene and every bit of my dialogue, you know, and it cut me down to, you know, to one. Well, you know, I couldn't get it, you know, and I I, I actually, when I went to the premiere, you know, I was pretty upset. And I remember, you know, not being cut, because I've done a ton of movies that I got cut out of. So, you know, that's just, that's just the business. But I didn't understand because it was a very big role, it was a supporting role. You know, it was yeah. me and Dennis Hopper in the, the whole great, the great Dennis Hopper. Yeah, One of my favorite scenes
0: thing. ever in True Religion. My God, with Christopher Walken and the true romance, true romance, true and the late yeah. great uh, James Gandolfini, of course.
2: Yeah, so he was, and I got such great stories with Dennis. We had such a blast because we we literally, you know, hung out every day for six weeks, and we got to know each other really, really well. And you know, so many amazing stories I have from Tent and Wolf. and just just, you know, every film, I'll tell you. I what, usually. D- d- uh,
0: when I first saw that movie, and I don't remember uh, the actress's name, she was a blonde. She, I, 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 think she, she was. Barred. Oh, that was
2: Piper, Par, uh, Piper
0: B, 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 I had a big crush on her, Tone. She was gorgeous. Yeah,
2: and now let me tell you something. Now
0: listen. To she me. looked like a South Philly girl too.
2: Yeah, but listen to what I'm telling you. Tone, I love. I him, had Tone. a, You're a not crush not on her. Me. Oh, you he had wait, the crush Wait, too. I had
0: a crush on her from
2: Coyote Ugly. Oh, and I enjoy that movie. And my right, buddy the so other now, day
0: was just talking up Coyote Ugly right, to me. Right. So now like,
2: I'm waiting. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm literally um, on set and I'm you know I'm waiting to start the scene and it's Piper's per- first day and she's you know they picking her up from the airport and I will never forget this as long as I live. And I'm telling you that what she looks like on camera is uh-huh. nothing.
0: Oh. Nothing. Yeah, like, I'm not It's surprised. not even, yeah. not
2: even one tenth. Wow, of how stunning she is in per. She walked in, and I remember literally saying, "That is the most beautiful one I've ever seen in my entire life."
0: I love her. She dog. walked in, and she was girl, Tone.
2: Yeah, she was <laughs> on. The, the, the screen does her no justice.
0: Uh, she, she's a, she's beautiful. She's a, a truly beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I'm, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm glad you uh, said that. So I'm not nuts. But here's
2: the weird thing. I'll give you a little tr- trivia on that movie. Uh-oh. So I get to the premiere, and I'm really upset that every line was cut. Like, I was cut out of the whole yeah,
0: movie. you were going through it the basically roof.
2: basically became a glorified extra right, in the movie. right. And I remember going to the director and I said, I said, and what's funny because we later, me and the director became best friends for since that movie was made. I mean, best best friends. But at the time, I didn't know him. And I remember going to him and I said, I don't understand. I'm 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 lost. And he's like, What is it? I'm like, If I was such a bad actor, why didn't you just fire me? And he was like, You're not a bad actor. What are you talking about? Did great and i said well if that's the case why did you cut every single line out of the movie and he said tony he said listen to me he said we're supposed to be in philly but it's in pittsburgh but we're supposed to be in philly right he said now you're from south philly the movie is supposed to be south philly he said but the problem tony is that when we went to edit the film every scene that you're in and you're speaking you make every other actor sound like they're not from philly
0: agreed that makes a ton of sense i would never even thought of that right
2: he said so my problem was i can't cut giovanni Rabisi. i can't cut james marston i'm not you know like so i'm listening and we're in the booth going they don't sound anything like tony nothing
0: like him and he, it it doesn't fit yeah he well, said why the hell didn't they adopt a little bit of a uh, distinguishable South Philly accent? Well,
2: no. What I said to the director was I understand what you're telling me, but I poured it on because it was supposed to be South Philly. If you would have told me that it's too much South Philly, I would have completely toned it down. Yeah. I would have cut most of that accent out. And that's I reasonable. Do that. Sure. But you didn't tell me that. So I did it. He goes, Tony, because when we were filming, it sounded okay. He said, but then when we went into the editing room to edit this movie, we looked at each other going, you got to cut all this dialogue because he sticks out.
0: Oh, wow. In every scene. And and that was a big lesson for me to learn. Now, Tony, I will say this. There's guys that have a harsher South Philly accent than other guys. and everybody in the room's from South Philly, but some guys have a little harsher of an accent. I mean, that's another point that you know you could have brought up in retrospect. I know it's always easier in retrospect. but wouldn't you agree that that is the, well, that's yeah, truthful? But,
2: see, the pro- but the problem was, I have a South Philly accent, but it's not super strong, but when we did the film, and I knew it was South Philly, you know, I, I kind of upped my South Philly, you know, and I yeah, said, no, you gotta I totally go tre- don't do what you got to do, you know, <laughs> and I really upped it and it really stood out. If I have just spoke like I normally speak, it would have been OK. But I'm thinking, you know, it's supposed to be South Philly and I'm going to bring the accent up a little bit more in those scenes. And uh, And actually, it worked against me, but my stubbornness helped me in Invincible.
0: Right, sure, another South Because
2: they did not want me, the director did not want me to play that role the way I did. Interesting. He did not, because he came to me and he said, this is not a comedy. Right. So you got to bring it down. And I said, no, I'm not trying to be funny. This character would really be like this. And I literally remember him saying to me, look, here's the choice. You can do the character the way you want to do it. And I can't promise you that I won't cut you out of the movie. Or you could bring it all the way down and you'll stay in the movie. And I literally remember saying to him, do what you got to do because this is the character. And it wind up helping me because in the end, he loved that character. He loved it. And it was a very standout scene in the film you know mostly everybody remembers the guy in the green cape from from invincible Absolutely. You know, you invincible you you know you get even will like i remember i did a film called um if you haven't seen it i highly recommend that you watch it it's it it's one of the films i'm really 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 proud of um excuse me there's a film called the nail
0: Joey the Nail Nardone.
2: Joey the Nail Nardone. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you watch it. And I remember my favorite story from that. Uh, The movie was out. It got picked up by 20th Century Fox. Uh, It got picked up from Artist View in the the States. It was on cable every hour. Like every time you turn Showtime on or Cinemax, the movie was playing. In fact, it was the number sixth most watched movie on cable in that year wow so the move and you know and it, it and it was the first time i you know i wore a hat i never do that because i wrote the film i did the lead in the film i produced the film and i sang the title track of the film okay and we shot that film in 18 days wow 18 days with zip for a budget like nothing and and the movie was incredibly successful became a huge cult film. But I remember when the movie was out, and this is a true story. My phone rings. I see it's a Los Angeles number and I normally don't pick it up. If I don't know who it is, I on the phone. And it's a woman. And she asked for me. And I said, yeah, she said, would you hold for Will Smith, please? And I'm like, okay. And then will got on the phone and he said, you no, know, he had just come back from uh, promoting seven pounds. And he said, I'm home last night. And no, Jada wasn't home, kids weren't home. He said, and my dad had sent me this uh, DVD on this film. And you know, I said, All right, well, let me check it out. I put it in. He said, and I see Philly. He said, and then I see you, but I know you as the cheesesteak guy, Tony. I don't yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. you as an as an actor. And I said, No, I did acting long before I did food. And I said, well, what's up? He said, I got to tell you, I'm watching this film and my eyes start to well up and I start to cry. And I, I call my dad to get your number to tell you that I love this. Like, I love this movie. He's like, what can I do? You know, well, I said, we well, can't do anything. 20th Century Fox has it. Well, it's like number six on cable. They show it every five minutes. And then we start talking and I, and this shows you the power of a character and he's like, man, I really love this film. I'm going to show it to a lot of my friends. And I'm like, well, it's on cable. Just turn on cable. It's on all the time. And then I said, it's a big, big difference from Invincible. And he's like, the Mark Wahlberg movie? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what about Invincible? He goes, I love that movie. He said, I've watched it four or five times. Interesting. He said, yeah, he goes, did you produce that movie? And I'm like, no. Well, I was in the movie. He's like, Tony, I just watched you for 90 minutes you were not in Invincible I know every thing about that movie I said well well I was 400 pounds when I did Invincible and I was like 300 when you know I was 100 pounds lighter in the nail I said I said yeah and he goes and I said well what part did you play in, in Invincible and I went I played the guy in the green and I swear to you he cuts him he goes not the guy in the green cape trying out for the team he goes, you were literally my favorite character in that movie. He goes, <laughs> I broke up every time it comes on. He goes, I love that character. He goes, that's my favorite character. And he went on and on about about um, Invincible. So you know, and it, and it's funny because about I don't know a year later, uh, they were doing the SAG Awards, and I remember my phone blowing up. And everyone's telling me, put on the SAG Awards. Oh, my God, did you see it? I'm like, no, I'm not home. But I taped it. They're like, go home. And then they showed, there was the SAG Awards, and they said they're going to show characters in movies that that can take a small role and make a big character out of that role. And they were showing these films. Then it said, and Tony Luke Jr. in Invincible. And they showed the scene of Invincible. On the Screen Actor Guild Awards that year.
0: That must have been a proud, proud moment. Now, I got to ask yeah, you something so, about that yeah. scene, Tone. How come it was, you, in the movie, it was Fight Eagles Fight? And as we all know, it's. But that's, f-
2: the, that's the song.
0: Uh, is that the, the, song, original, the original version? Song, the original
2: song in the 70s. They tweaked it, huh? Wow. Was Fight Eagles Fight. And then they rewrote that later because people come up to me all the time. They go, dude, you sang the song well, I'm like, no, I didn't. And he goes, It ain't fight, Eagles fight. It's like, no, it's not. Go on Google, Google the original song from the 70s, and you'll see the lyrics. And they were like, you're right. It was fight, Eagles fight. See, Tone,
0: and don't get mad at me. I'm a football guy. I'm a sports guy, but I'm a Raiders fan. You know, I'm a Raider guy. So I don't, you know, I'm not an Eagles season ticket kind of guy. Are you a big sports fan, Tone?
2: I don't really have time much anymore. I used to when I was younger, but I, I really don't. Sure. You know, I just get so busy sometimes. I don't have time to watch the games, and I don't follow it like I used to follow it. But I'm from Philly, so even when I don't follow it, I try every chance I get to watch a Philadelphia team play. Like, if I get any spare time, I watch it, and especially during playoffs, you know, then I watch every. Not every because I have to root for you know for the home team.
0: Of course. Now Tom, my producer Benny Spielberg's begging me to ask you about some cheesesteaks. How do you eat your cheesesteak? Are you a whiz guy, American, Provolone? What do you do?
2: That's a good question. I, I will tell you this, it, it it changed, okay? When I was a kid, I would only eat a cheesesteak at Patrick Gino's and it would be Whiz wet. Interesting. Then I got older. And I prefer a cheesesteak now with American cheese and yes. fried onions.
0: Yes, and guess what? That's where I'm at. That's pretty much where I'm always at, unless I'm drunk. I'll go whiz.
2: Yeah, I'm not. You know, it's not that I don't like whiz. I like whiz, but I, you know, my my tastes change, and I, you know, I prefer it now with, you know, just American cheese and fried onions. You know, okay. and I get sometimes I get people coming into my Sicklerville store, because I'm always at the Sicklerville store, you know, in Sicklerville, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am every day. If I'm not doing a speaking event on uh, addiction, I'm there. I and, had an ex-girlfriend
0: you know, who, who lived out that way. She took me there. I had a steak there. Very good. Well, good. we
2: we I, I only took that store over literally a year and a half
0: ago. Yeah, it wasn't long It ago. was
2: originally a franchise, and it isn't. I bought them bought them out. And I took the store because that's the only. The Front Street store, the original store, and the Sicklerville store are the only two Tony Lukes that are not a franchise. Okay. Every other Tony Luke is a franchise. They're all independently owned by other people.
0: Right. There was one in the Bregada, right? But uh, now right, there's Well, one the Bregada changed
2: the, you know, but there's still one in, in the uh, in uh, Tropic County. Right. So, but the, they're all franchises. Only the Sicklerville store. Which is mine, which I'm there almost every day, and uh, the original store is not a franchise store.
0: Gotcha. Now, besides your very own, what's your favorite cheesesteak in South Philly?
2: I gotta tell you, I'm um, I'm a Pats and Geno's fan to this day.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm yeah, Gino's. like if I, you know,
2: if I. If you're going to eat a cheesesteak, it's usually good. And I'll tell you what, when I'm in the neighborhood, you know, I'll have a steak, a cheesesteak. So, but see, you know, the, the thing that most people don't know, really, is that, you know, we're all incredibly good friends, like not just associates, you know, we go out to dinner together we hang out together. Yeah. You know, we're always, you know, and me and Gino and Frankie Oliveri live in the same building. Right. Gino literally just moved moved a few months ago. Uh he moved out of this building, but at, at one point, excuse me, all three of us lived in the same building, but we all go out together. We all hang out together. You know, we're always in the Rim Cafe yeah. on a Ninth and Federal. So you know, it's, we're all very good friends. There's no one in the cheesesteak business that I'm not friends with. There's no, I have no enemy in that business. No, no one.
0: Right. No, oh, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, you guys are all very professional, run a great business, uh, great food. And uh, I'm not surprised at all, Tone. We and they all
2: make a great product. Oh, and know, that's everyone... what I'm saying. Yeah. No doubt yeah, about I mean, it.
0: You know, cheesesteak's a very personal thing. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like, it's a very personal thing. Like, Frankie delegates from Pat's and um, will always come to to me for pork or go to the next, which is also fantastic. You know, and John's poor is good. So that's what I'm saying. It's a personal prep. If someone says to you, and I've said this on TV, I've said it in interviews, if someone says to you that they make the best of anything, they're lying because no one could claim to have the best of anything. Cause every single person's taste buds are different. What you think is great. I might think is just okay. What I think is great. You may not like at all. So no one could claim they're the best.
0: Yeah. It's outrageous.
2: It's relative. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be the best at what you do. Like if someone says to me, what do you do? I go, I make the best cheesesteak that I can make Right. that doesn't mean it's the best cheesesteak in the world Right. it's right, the right. best cheesesteak that I can make
0: right and it's it's keep it in perspective and it's, it doesn't get much realer than that honestly now we play a little game on this show it's called Jeep meaning we ask our guests what they ate today look go inside
1: make yourselves uh, no, comfortable uh, I'll make go you to go something go to, to sleep. eat Okay. Hey, how do you like doing red, medium red medium red. Red, red. Red, red. Red, red, hmm aristocrat my
0: snack was a Honeycrisp apple. Okay. Tone, what'd you have to eat so far today? I had steak and eggs in the morning. Love that.
2: And then uh, for lunch, I had chicken uh, chicken breast and egg whites because I'm on a diet.
0: Yep. So that summertime diet deal. And that's sure. it
2: for today.
0: Drink a lot of water. You I call- do
2: drink a lot of water. Yeah, I got very... You know, I had lost a ton of weight. Right. You know, I went from 400 pounds to 240, and yeah, I had kept that weight off. You know, I kept that off for you know five and a half years, and then when my son passed away, um, I put on 80 pounds. Like I literally just put 80 pounds back on because when I when I get depressed and you know when I that's you know I eat I mean and I eat carbs pizza yeah. and bread. So in a year's time, literally, my son has passed 15 months. In 15 months, I put on over 80 pounds, and about two weeks ago, I just—I'm—I'm I'm not used to being heavy again. I'm not used to it, you know, because I'm—I'm—I'm I'm 3 320 now. I'm used to being 240, so I can't sleep at night. I'm—you know—I'm out of breath when I walk. So two weeks ago, I said, you know, you got to stop. You got to get back to where you were. So. For two weeks, I you know I've cut out all carbs and 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 you know I've been eating a lot of protein and and I've all, I've kept it under like you know eighteen fifteen to eighteen hundred calories a day. Yeah, yeah. And that... then I gotta get I gotta get this eighty pounds back off I'm just very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's a brutal battle with weight. I mean, it's uh, we love food. We're Italian. We love to eat, but also you want to feel good. You want to be healthy. You want to look good. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Now, do you drink coffee, Tom?
2: i do I, I don't drink a ton i need a cup of coffee when i wake up in the morning yeah. uh, maybe one or two cups but then i'm good because i don't can, drink any coffee at night because it'll keep me up
0: that could be a, a the caffeine is a hunger suppressant too
2: yeah but you know it's funny and i i literally only like one one brand of coffee and that's it. it's the only like if i'm going to drink it at home now if i go to the rim cafe you know, Renee makes the, the most incredible coffee I've ever had in my entire life. But, you know, he grinds his own beans. But if I, but as far as store bought coffee goes, the only coffee I drink is, um, green mountain. That's the only brand that I'll, I'll drink when I'm home or, or I'm at work because it's not a very, very super strong coffee, you know, and but I take it has CD, a distinguishable... I don't like sugar, okay. but it, it, you know, and it just worked. Like I tried every brand of coffee, and I didn't like any of it. And then someone gave me Green Mountain, and I was like, "This is delicious." So yeah, no, it's weird, but that's the only coffee I want to drink. Uh, any other you. coffee? I'm at a diner. I'm like, "Yeah, I don't really like it, but I'll drink
0: it." Yeah, no question about. It. Now, how do you th- how do you think your cheesesteaks would go over in Italy if you set up shop out there? Because I know you're overseas, but franchised, what? I guess it would be. So you wouldn't be able to sign off on it, huh?
2: Well, no, I sign off on any everything, but, you know, I I think it would do well.
0: Look, food is food,
2: and it is the cheesesteak, to me, is the perfect simple food. It's bread, it's meat, it's cheese. You know what I mean? The only other sandwich that I can equate that is even simpler than that, that I grew up as an Italian eating that i loved as a kid that no one really makes anymore are
0: you gonna say peppers and eggs
2: no no peppers and eggs i lived on peppers and eggs but that's <laughs> right. a given okay but my mother used to slice tomatoes uh,
0: slice onions yeah, uh, put some olive, olive oil, oil. Yeah.
2: Right, and, and, and a little <laughs> bit of water and soft pepper and garlic and then you would take you know sliced bread and make tomato sandwiches yeah.
0: with. Yeah. And you could even some fresh uh cut onion on there if you want. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, you do the onion and the tomato. Yeah, it was Oh, uh,
0: yeah, I it love It was that. now the other dish I'll, I'll
2: tell you one of my all-time favorite dishes that you may go ew. Now, I can't find any place that makes it. Can I guess? Go ahead.
0: Tripe, tripe. Yep. uh oh, yep. It's my favorite. I love it. So, so uh, Skinitios has it, A Broad and Porter, Bomb Bombs has it. Uh barrels has it. But yeah, it is hard to find.
2: It's hard to find and I like it in a
0: spicy red gravy. Yeah. Trey Scalini also has it as an appetizer. Yeah, see sugar. I love it
2: on bread and I now i am normally once a month, I'm not kidding, but I'm on the diet now, but once a month I'll literally make it home eight pounds at a shop.
0: My God.
2: And then I freeze it and then I give it to my friends. But the funny thing is I
0: so, you know, next, I have people
2: next to me across the hall. I'll open up my my balcony window because the odor, you know, like people like you are looking like, what the hell died? You yeah, know, right, right, it right. Is, you know, because when you cook it, it really stinks. Right. I could eat tripe every single day of the week. It's, it is yeah. hands down one of my, if it's done right, mm-hmm. it should not be chewy. People go, well, it's chewy. Then I'm like, they didn't cook it right. Right. Because my tripe is it's not true. It's
0: a melt-in-your-mouth kind of thing when it's done right. Right. If
2: it isn't, then they didn't cook it right.
0: Right. You cut it with the scissors, right? I cut it with a knife. I, I use a cutting board. I cut it with a knife. I feel like the old you know, grandmothers I, used to use the scissors.
2: The scissors, yeah. But I've washed <laughs> it. I clean it real well, and then I cut it into cubes, and then I boil it, and I pull the mutts off of the water, and then I make a red gravy. You know, I, I, I'll cook the tripe for – In water, I'll cook it for a a little more than two and a half hours. Yeah. And then I drain it. Then I make a gravy. And then I cook it, put it in the gravy, and then I cook that for another hour and a half Mm. with the tripe. And it becomes so soft because all the fibers break down, and that gravy just has that thick. Because I take some of the water that you boil, because I boil it all the way down, and the water almost gets like a gravy like very thick, and I add a little bit of the water, that water into the gravy, and it really pumps up that tripe flavor. Do
0: you put, like, peas in the gravy or anything like that?
2: No, I don't. I just – I'll use uh, – I'll make um, just a regular uh art kind of gravy and then put the tripe in and then make the flavor. Now, that's a dish that I would challenge anyone on. Yeah. Like, I'll go head-to-head with anyone making tripe.
0: You know George's on 9th Street, they have tripe as well. I don't I don't are they still open? Someone told me
2: that they closed.
0: They may have I was just up there like not the too long ago
2: and they just closed it. That's oh, what I
0: heard okay. now. I don't know if that's true. And you remember Willie's on 9th Street, right? Yeah, they're not they, uh, they've um, been closed Willys for years. Zander. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie's made but, a good but tripe. But I loved their What was his name in there? Duke
2: I don't remember. You're going
0: back. Yeah, I know, but that tripe was fantastic. And I would always get that with like a roast pork sandwich with the tripe on the side. That's what I would get. Yeah,
2: I love tripe. It literally could be one of my favorite
0: dishes. It's it's underappreciated. Very
2: underappreciated. I'm also
0: a liver eater, and I just heard that liver now causes cancer, they said.
2: Well, I hate liver. I always have. My mother used to make it with the, you know, she would flour it. Right. And fry it with onions, right. calf's liver, yeah, and then you make a little gravy out of that. And I couldn't stomach it then; I can't stomach it now.
0: <laughs> interesting. Very. I interesting. do not
2: eat liver. I hate liver. Can't do it.
0: The the texture.
2: No, everything about it tastes very irony. Mm-hmm. I don't. I.
0: It is. I a never like iron. Iron. Yeah. yeah. Never like. Organ
2: meat now. You know you can't really buy.
0: They used to bread what cows' brains and eat them, right?
2: Yeah, but my favorite as a kid were kidneys i used to love calves' kidneys and chicken uh chicken gizzards and they don't you can't really do them anymore yeah you can't buy kidneys anymore really well, you how, know they used to sell them at the corner butcher shop sure. but,
0: how about rabbit do you like rabbit i'm a big rabbit eater
2: uh you know i don't really eat it much because I, I can't really come by it often i'm not a huge like i'll eat it i've eaten it before i don't I don't have a problem with it. I do love lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can you know, I can eat lamb, uh ostrich, but you have to cook ostrich, ostrich. Now very, that's very rare. You have to cook it very rare. See, ostrich people look at ostrich like it's a bird, like yeah. poultry. Yeah. Not not like it's a bird, it is a bird. But they look at it like poultry, but it's not. Mm. It's red meat. Mm. So you can't if you cook ostrich till it's done, it's so dry, you'll choke. Wow. You have to eat ostrich. Very, very
0: rare. I had no clue. I had no clue. I, I, I've never seen it on a menu. I mean, I've been around. I've been to some nice places. I know my restaurants. And, I, I never, served it at Tony it,
2: Luke's years ago.
0: Did you? Is that more
2: like? And people were freaked out with it. They yeah. were like, "No, it's a bird. It, Why is it rare?" I'm like, "You have to eat it rare. No, no, you'll you'll die. You can't eat. You
0: can't <laughs> eat chicken rare. It's not chicken. <laughs> yeah, it's a
2: bird. I'm like, no, they didn't get it. And I was like, all right, take it off."
0: Oh, uh, that's great! I gotta say this. Uh, I'm waiting for one of the staple South Philly sandwich places to open up in Vegas. Why doesn't that happen? Why hasn't that? Because we see a lot of New York restaurants and whatnot that'll and pizzerias like the Faras they've opened in Vegas. How come one of our cheesesteak spots has has not opened up out there yet?
2: Well, I didn't open up in Vegas because it, when you get further out west. You know, they they used to say if you're going to open up stores, you have to open them up like a circle, like, you know, where the middle is and then slowly widen the circle. The reason they say that is because of distribution, because what happens is if you're going like every single Tony Luke's, all of them, every franchise bakes their own bread. OK, so. Uh, we have our par bakes that are made for us through Lissio's and then they flash freeze the par bakes and then they go to U S foods and then they can order all the franchises order from U S foods. The problem is if you open up in Vegas, okay, and you're only opening up one store, it doesn't pay for them to put your product in because you're not, you're taking up space too long that they can't overturn. So You wind up paying a huge premium for that space. And then, you know, where a roll should cost someone 50 cents, it now costs them $3.50. And then the food cost gets too high. So if you were going to open up in Vegas, you'd literally have to open up five stores at the exact same time to warrant them stocking your product in their distribution warehouse. That's why it becomes difficult. Yes. Because it's just too much money tacked on because it's a special order and no one will pay that kind of price.
0: See, that's enlightening. That's good stuff right there. I like I like that type of business talk. That's good stuff. Because for me it just seemed like such an obvious thing, especially with the you know, now they they got the hockey team, the Raiders are going there. That town's gonna be booming sports wise, and we all know how our, our cheese steaks and all that type of food that goes right hand in hand with sports, at least for us oh, in the it would,
2: it would It would be tremendously successful, but now you have to look at a franchisee that's willing to do minimum multiple locations, and it is very difficult. Running a cheesesteak spot is very labor-intensive, okay? Yeah. And it's not the products. You know, people come to me and go, well, you know, I went to this store, and it really doesn't, you know, it's different steak. No, it's not. Well, the roles are different. No, it's not. The difference you're getting is, is that the guy that's on the grill cooking the steak? If he follows the way I tell him to do it, it should come out the same every single time. But if he turns the heat up and he cooks it too quickly, if he leaves it on the grill too long, sure. you know, if, if the, the rolls aren't baked every hour, if he bake, there's a million variables when it comes to cooking a steak.
0: Yeah, because that sometimes happens in Philly. If you get a kid in one of these places at 3 a.m. who's not used to being on the grill, he doesn't know. It's possible to get a bad steak at a really good place. It happens. Right.
2: So in, in, in business, in the business world, in reality, if you were to open up a store, by the time you go through people, by the time you get the right employees, by the time you find the right manager, by the time they get in sync, You're looking at a year, like at least a year. So you can't open up five stores in one shot and expect them to run right because you've got to get one store running perfect. Then you got to take the manager from that store and you got to bring a new manager in to train them and then take that manager into the second location. It's going to take a year to get the right people for that. It takes. You know that's why places close so. Close. I've closed. Yeah. I think four locations.
0: Yeah. Now there was a Tony Luke's in Ocean City, Maryland too, I believe, right?
2: It's still. It's. It's not. Is it? Yeah.
0: It's there's. It's still there. Yeah. No. So last summer I went to Ocean City, Maryland for the first time. We hit so much traffic. I was with my buddy Spatz. I said, Spats, we gotta get something to eat. What do you want to do? He said, Well, look, there's a Tony Luke's right over here. I said, We just drove six hours from South Philly to come to a whole new city. and, up I, to and now I'm eating Tony Luke's getting a cheesesteak. Yeah. But that no, it was it was great. You know, I'm uh, I could eat a cheesesteak for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Big fan of the product. I get the roast pork in the neighborhood at your spot. Uh big fan. It's can't miss for me. I really
2: Yeah, love- I love the pork of the chicken colored Italian. I think if I had to pick it's almost a dead heat for me personally between the chicken cutlet Italian and the roast pork Italian.
0: Now, do you put like a, a long hot on there or a broccoli? You have rob? to have it with long hot. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be sharp for a long broccoli, Robin, long Italian. That's, hot. And that's how you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tony, who's your favorite actor? We we're running through all of Who's your number one guy? Maybe even you grew up. Who was your number one cat that you said, this guy's a badass? This is a great actor right here. Wow.
2: That's a, wow. I don't know if I could answer that because it is, I look, and not because I just did a film with him, but in the seventies and eighties, hands down, Travolta was my favorite actor.
0: Wow. Over
1: a Pacino?
2: Well, no. I, I didn't want to be Al Pacino, but I did want to be John Travolta. Okay. In the seventies. You follow what I'm saying? Of course. He was cool. I'm not saying that the acting is better. I'm not saying talent wise. You know, I didn't want I I wasn't in nineteen seventy eight I wasn't going, man, I really want to be Al Pacino. I was going, I want to be John Travolta. Yeah, the party. You know, not Al Pacino. So but I mean Al Pacino, you know, in in this in the seventies and eighties and you know, all the movies that he did, Justice for All and all those films were were legendary and it's hard i mean look i grew up italian so my favorite actors normally were italian it was al pacino or robert de niro it was um you know and going back even further like i was a big fan of of james cagney you know jimmy uh, cagney you know those you know those guys (laughs) because i used to watch a lot of old films white heat yeah, White Heat was great, well, I and mean,
0: that and that's who Pesci's character in Goodfellas was kind of like paying an homage to. Am I right? Yeah, because the scene when he finds out his
2: mother's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a classic scene in the prison. So, like, I love old films. So I watch a ton of old films, like the Bowery Boys, and 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 all those you know those great you know James, uh, uh, Cary Grant, and Henry Fonda, and I gotta tell you too, he
1: was a huge,
2: huge fan of Jackie Gleason. Okay and not just as a comedic actor, as a dramatic actor as well, he was phenomenal. He never got the credit that he should ha- should have as a, as a dramatic actor. You know, Tom Hanks. I was a you know, big fan, but I was an actor. Like that's what yeah, I wanted to diehard do. Die so Hard Raider
0: fan, Tom Hanks.
2: Yeah, so you know, and it's it's funny too because I it I, I I'll tell you a quick story. I think you'll we'll get a kick out of. It. I'm in, I'm in Texas. I'm in Dallas, and I'm doing. I had a TV series called Franken Food. Okay. so we're filming for on Spike TV. So we're filming in Dallas, and uh, the co-host with me, a uh, phenomenal chef uh, Josh Capon, uh, says, "Come on, we're gonna we're gonna do this bicycling thing. We like have a class with bicycling." I said, "All right." So I go. And there's a guy next to me. Now, again, I'm not really following sports, but I know that whoever the guy is next to me, I'm familiar. Like he's familiar to me. So we're doing it, and this guy's tall. Yeah, you know, he's like taller than me. I'm short. I'm five nine, but I'm in really good shape at that point. I, you know, I was down. I was at two forty, and I'm, you know, I'm running the bike, and and he's like running next to me, like, like trying to compete with me, and I'm like, dude. You you clearly look like an athlete, and he's crushing me. You know, but I'm fighting and I'm fighting and I'm fighting, trying to keep up. So it's over. The class gets over, and he he literally looks over to me and he goes, "You're Tony Luke Jr., ain't you?" And I said, "I am." I said, "You're a you're a sports guy, right?" And he started to laugh, (laughs) and I said, "How you doing?" And I shook his hand. I'm like, "Wait, I know, I know you. I know." You know, and I'm trying to put, and he goes, I'm Troy Aikman. I said, <laughs> How are you? And it's funny, too, because if you look at my post, you'll see that. Po- so he says to me, Would you Would you take, you want to take a picture? Like, I'd like to take a picture. He goes, You know, I I, I love your food, he said, and, you know, I love the series, you know, because he was watching the, the Franken Food. And I said, Look, I got to be honest with you. I, I cannot take a picture with you.
0: Yeah, because of the Philly Cowboys. And
2: time. he said, and he said, what do you mean? I'm like, if I take a picture with you, then I can never go back to Philly. And I and he said, well, I, you know, I would love to take a picture. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. If you'll be a good sport and try something with me, we can take the picture because I really do want to take a picture. And I asked him to do something, and he laughed. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I posted the picture, and it's really funny because I'm sure that he's so much taller than me. It literally, if you scroll through my pictures on Instagram, uh, you'll see it. It, it. It's way back. It's, it's got to be 2014. Yeah, like 2013 or 2000. Yeah, maybe 2013 or 14 when Frank and Food, when I was shooting Frank and Food. And it's me and him at this bike place and we both got our fists up like we're ready to fight right and it looks like we met each other and now we're brawling and I wrote you know uh ran into Troy Aikman and you know had to tune him up for our boys in Philly
0: yeah you know and, and, then, and
2: then I put yeah and he was such a good sport he's like yeah come on let's act like we're fighting
0: yes no, I he love that. was
2: he was great he was well, but that was the only way I could have posted the
0: picture. Right. No, and that's okay. That's good. That that made Yeah, because it... people are like, "Yeah, Tony, I hope you kick this ball." Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Like, no, yeah. No. Yeah.
2: He was a great guy.
0: So. And he seems like it, uh, like he really is too. I mean, he does a hell of a job with the announcing, making a transition from being a Hall of Fame quarterback to maybe a Hall of Fame announcer. It's no, uh, it's no easy thing to do. So, Tone, we really appreciated having you on the show, man, and taking this much time out to join us. Uh, we want all our VIP listeners to go check out Gotti. Hell of a movie. We don't care what the goofballs at uh, Rotten Tomatoes say. We know that's going to be worthwhile entertainment. So,
2: Yeah, and do me a favor. If, you, if your listeners get a chance, try to go on Amazon.com or iTunes and download uh, Make You Feel My Love because 100% of that yeah. Down, like a hundred percent of it goes towards ending the stigma of addiction, and you know it's a you know Bob Dylan wrote an amazing song, and it's for really a really good cause. No question and, about uh, it. And we're gonna be we're very gonna, happy if they can do that. We're I appreciate plug it.
0: that. In the uh, intro and ending of the show, and we're gonna buy we're gonna buy that song as well for you, of course. but well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, no question. And Tone, I'm writing uh, in the early stages of writing a fantastic movie. It's my first time doing this. If I have any questions now, I know who to talk to about it.
2: Yeah, just give me a call. You're
0: no stranger to this industry, man.
2: (laughs) Thanks, brother. I
0: appreciate Uh, it. All right, Tony. Great talking to you, man. Have a good one. Take care. God God bless. bless. Bye-bye. Oh, man, Benny, what a guy Tony Luke Jr. is. He delivered bigger than I think many people would have even expected.
1: He's all time, Marky. Honestly, I'm so thrilled that we had this guy on. Uh, not only did he entertain the heck out of us, tell some unbelievably funny and entertaining stories, but he really hit home to me with that Travolta story. Honestly, sure, moving.
0: And, sure, uh, that is that's impactful, and I'm not surprised that Travolta's a great dude, man. I always figured he was, and I'm not surprised Troy Aikman is either.
1: Oh, I love that Troy Aikman and, and story. He's guy. my guy. That's my guide, childhood hero.
0: Right. So, that's all type. That's all the type of stuff where when we have somebody on the show, I like to dig in and, and you know know who they know and find out a little bit about them from uh, an opinion we trust.
1: Yeah, maybe we link up with Troy Aikman when football season comes around.
0: Uh, just let me. I'll link up with Tony. We'll be eating cheese steaks. Oh no, we'll be in the tripe.
1: And, yeah, uh, about that's that? what I'm excited I, for. I
0: was all over that. Wasn't I? Know. I know
1: he's right up your alley, man. Yeah, there
0: you go. Now. Benny, we got a long, hot summer ahead of us. People say the summer's moving fast. I really don't think it is, gang. I think it's moving at the right pace. Uh, I'm bouncing around up in Belmar, New Jersey at DJ's, down in Wildwood, down in Margate, having a great time, talking jive to all the pretty ladies out there, talking jive to, you know, acquaintances and friends catching up. You don't always see people through the winter and whatnot. You get down the shore, you know, people are working a little less, uh, people are out a little longer. People are out during the day. And you catch up and you have fun, man. Life is good in the summer.
1: Absolutely. We've been having some pretty good weather. Got a little hot there for a little, but it's cooled down. It's feeling good. I'm taking it day by day this summer, Marky, but I'm enjoying myself. And there's That's a ton of sure. shit
0: cutter out there, Benny. Uh, and, don't and, you know it. And these girls are hot and horny in the summer, man.
1: Oh, it's wild, man. <laughs> so you got to
0: capitalize on that while you can.
1: Oh, uh, that shit cutter is good, man.
0: There's a lot of good shit cutter out there. Don't don't neglect it. Pursue it, enjoy it, indulge. VIP Embrace li- it. VIP listeners, I hope you take those words to heart. Embrace the shit cutter out there. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed Tony Luke Jr. I hope you enjoyed hearing our voices again. So gang, we'll be back with you soon. Stay tuned on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube channel, of course. And you know, keep up. Let us do our thing and We'll be back with you guys very soon, and uh, we'll have another interesting guest on the mark.